Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of I Dig Your Soul Podcast with your host, Nadia Khalil. Today is the 15th of July. We are in the middle of the month. We were talking in our house yesterday, even though the weather's warm, it's not as warm as it was over the weekend. Although there's places in California, there's one place, I think it was Death Valley yesterday, clocked in at 129 degrees. I think the hottest weather we ever had clock in in our world while we were all alive is 134 degrees, and I think it was there. So that was their own record, and they they didn't reach it. But there were two um, officers who took a picture with this thing that said 129 degrees and 59 Celsius. So that's how hot it is in some places. Where I am at, it wasn't that hot yesterday, of course, not even over 100, but we're close. So it's just so crazy that my son was saying to me, well, we missed spring, and I think we're going to miss summer. And the weirdest part of this whole thing is that time is just going by so fast, even though we're home. It's just going by so fast. It's like pay attention to what's real. Everything that's distracting us is gone. Even the stuff we like, even the stuff we want to do is gone. And all we can think about is working and food and each other. We're down to like three things. Working, food, and each other. And somehow, life filled itself up. So I was thinking about how all of a sudden, a lot of people breaking up, married for years during this pandemic, but there's a lot of people, even more than breaking up, that are getting married, just getting married. I haven't seen so many weddings, maybe because a lot of them are like Zoom weddings right now or they're just happening quietly in their backyards. Wedding venues are gone. Paying for big weddings is gone. All of that's gone, at least here in the United States and specifically in California where I'm at. Everything is gone. And people are getting married. So, since I've known quite a few of them who have gotten married, and I'd ask them, why now? Why not wait? You're young. Where is the rush? They're like, no, we're not rushed. We just know. 
And upon further talking to them, it was that in this time where pressure is high, where decisions need to be made, are being made quickly, they are getting to see that their partner says what they mean and means what they say. And others are finding out maybe that wasn't so true. They'd been married for years and like, oh, my God, that's always bothered me. But why? Some they can repair. Some are just ready to move on. But I always say, you know, not so fast. This is a temporary situation. Don't make a permanent decision based on a temporary situation. I say that all the time. So it's like, hold off on filing papers. Thank God the recorder's office is closed in at least our area. But people can't just go and file, maybe through an attorney. But at this point, who's going to throw money at that? So I just say, be patient. You, you, you make it to the other side of this, and then you'll know. But right now, making a decision like that, it's not going to serve anybody. But the fact that you've talked about it may give you guys a chance to resolve it, basically. But what was the common goal with them, too? He wasn't who I thought he was. She wasn't who I thought she was. Or they are what I thought they were. But they don't do what they say. They've either done or will do. So I thought about it, and I said, wow, you know, what's behind all of this? Doing what we say we will do so that the partnership can have integrity. Most relationships suffer because of the lack of integrity. We make commitments to ourselves, we make commitments to others, and then we break them. Then we make excuses to avoid responsibility, or we even go as far as blaming the other person as to why we ourselves did not do something. We promise things like being kind, being patient, being understanding, being loving. But the promise rings hollow if we don't follow through. Telling a kid, my kids called me out on this one pretty early on, and I'm so glad that they did because I was doing what they said they I was doing. And you know what they say, if a seven-year-old kid tells you you're, you're ugly, you're ugly, right? I'm, I'm just kidding. That was a joke I got from the comedy the comedy store in L.A. in like 1985, but that stuck with me. Maybe not about someone being ugly, but how they cannot hide any kind of truth or or even a lie. They can't hide anything. So my kids would always say, can we go do whatever, and it'd be something I'm totally not interested in, but I would kind of consider it mentally and say, Oh, maybe one day we'll do that, or we'll do that next week. Or I would say, if God is willing, and this is prior to seeing Christ, 
it's an interpretation of a Arabic word where you say inshallah. Inshallah means if God wills. So every time they would ask me to do something I wasn't crazy about, I would say the word inshallah, which I think is the only, maybe one of five Arabic words my son knows because with the autism I had to choose a language. So once he could talk and he comes to me and he asks me to do something and he says, please don't say inshallah. And I said, why? And he said, because that means no. Just say no. Because all the things that you have said that for, we never did. And I said, why don't I just say no? Why do I keep that low-level string of hope alive in them? Because I can't say no to them. And that's a little kid with autism who was observant of my behavior. That's on level of a scale. He had to be six or seven at the time because that's when he started talking, late five. I knew enough not to make excuses to a child because if he saw that, he was going to see everything else. I took responsibility and I said, you know what, you're right. I say that to all the stuff I actually have never done or don't want to do. And I'm sorry about that. I remember also when they were young and the two of them would get in a disagreement. And I used to do this thing called family court. And I'd pull out my wooden spoon and I'd bang the counter with it. And that meant they had to be quiet. And then the first one, the one that I thought started the trouble, I'd have talk first. I know they're in their late 20s, early 30s now. But I never, ever once had to go to the second person. The first one admitted what they did once they were in what we called family court. So sometimes when whatever they did, I thought, ah, you know, say you're sorry. Well, again, my son with autism, he didn't just say sorry to get everybody off his back. He says, but do I have to say sorry if I don't? mean it and I'd be like how could you not mean it you caused trouble you upset your sister I know and I said okay so you did that and now you won't say sorry yes I won't say sorry I don't mean it I said well why don't you mean it and he said, because I liked it. Now, what he was doing, because he's so quiet, people kind of see him in the room but don't pay attention to what he's doing because he normally is in his own little world. So he would just quietly walk up. She had her TV in, in the family room, and he'd always be playing with his cars in the living room. 
He'd come in and just turn off the TV and then take off. It wasn't a big deal, but he did it so much that it drove her nuts because she was missing parts of her shows and whatever was going on. But he enjoyed it. And he actually wasn't sorry. So he wouldn't say it if he didn't mean it. Now, I'm taking these examples of children because they have this level of purity that we can't deny. Also why we trust them. And also why we love them the way we do. Because they are our source, our feeders, our reminders of truth, love, and purity. So let's take that and put it into a relationship, a friendship relationship, a romantic relationship, a relationship between parents and their children, which is the hardest in the teen years because the teenagers realize they can get in trouble for a lot of what they would say they are doing. Try to keep the relationships open. We try to do what we say we will do. But the relationships that have the strongest backbone of strength are the ones who do say what they will do. And they do say what they mean. Because what happens when that's actually working is you don't have to beat any topic to death. I know people who say, if he says that, he really means it. My son said that about me once. The same son who said, don't use that word because that actually means no, just say no. Because when he said that, I knew if he was paying attention, everyone was paying attention. But as we get older, we just don't say anything. We just kind of like, oh, yeah. But then we don't go back to that person for any kind of information that we think is useful. Because we figure if they can't even be honest about this, and we're not thinking this consciously, it goes into that little closet in the back of our heads that just says, okay, No good information here. I need good information to make a good decision. And then if I get defensive and I start attacking the other person to avoid my own responsibility, I start making excuses to avoid my responsibility. Now I'm upsetting them on top of not doing what I said, what I did. So now I've added another layer of confusion. I've added another layer of distrust. So now I wake up the next day, my partner wakes up and might look at me and go, you know, something's wrong. Something's wrong. They may not be able to put their finger on it because they'll say, well, that wasn't that big of a deal. She just said she's going to do this and she didn't do it. And now it's like day three. And then they may say, well, you know, maybe you didn't have time to do it. Because 
I may not have said anything. What if I went that day and said, you know what? I promised you I would do this today. I didn't have time to do it. I'm going to try again tomorrow. We'll take off everything off that page. But if I don't say anything and don't say anything and wait for the other person to notice, they may think, well, you know, she doesn't care. And she doesn't say what she will do. And she doesn't mean what she will say. So the next time comes along and they may ask me, they will totally expect me not to do it on time or however. They will totally expect me not to do it. And then they're not going to say anything because they don't want to hear my excuses. It becomes too much of an investment in the turmoil part of a relationship. So then something bigger happens later down the road. Someone spent too much money. Someone is texting with someone that's outside of your relationship. Someone's doing something. That's when everything hits the fan. Because the level of integrity has already been compromised with these other things that were just little and menial at the time. But if that person went back and said, hey, you know what, I didn't have time and then really did it in the day or two, they will believe everything you ever say because they will know that you take responsibility for what you do say. What you do say you will do. That you mean what you say. It builds trustworthiness. It builds accountability into the relationship because now the other person is also bound to that level of respect for what they say comes a reciprocal energy exchange of integrity. That's why I started this week talking about prayer because it's that level of self-accounting and you're exchanging that with God. So instead of fighting fire with fire, let's talk about what does work. If you're exchanging energy with telling the truth, truth propels. It only goes forward. There's no backwards with truth. Even if you get in a heap of trouble for it, once everybody knows the truth, they can go on. Yes. No. I can, I cannot, I do not want to, I am not interested, I really care about this, I need to give it time, the trash. Just speaking to each other with that level of respect 
taking responsibility, promising to be patient and kind and understanding and loving is what you're exchanging energy with. You become reliable. You don't mind sharing the spotlight. You don't need to be better than your partner. You're humble. You work together to find solutions. It builds a very genuine and generous feeling into the relationship. Not hard. It's just not hard. That becomes an emotional integrity. It becomes unspoken. Sometimes over years, people will say, wow, in the beginning, you know, I thought we were close, but we're really close now. We really move as a unit. Even in friendships that you've, you know, at this point, I've had a friendship that I have had for 52 years of my 58 years of life. But that relationship always had integrity because that's how he was all his life. That's how I tried to be and was all my life. And that's where we meet. We don't have to talk to each other every day. We know we love each other. We know we care about each other. We don't need that person to fulfill a void in us. And every time I've needed something or they've needed or he's needed something, we were there because we knew if they asked that it was something real that they needed because they were real. Emotional integrity encourages the true feelings because all the other ones don't have any weight. True feelings, the true wants, the true desires without judgment on them. Because if you're judging you, who else are you judging? Pretty much everyone else. So who's going to get hit first? Your partner. Just because they're there. Like Christ says, over and over and over again, over and over, I see this. Don't believe yourself. You will not believe anyone else. We are no different anywhere we are in life, no matter who we interact with. Our behavior isn't special to someone. It's who we are everywhere we go. We create the similar situations. That's why we say, why does this keep happening to me? And I say, because you didn't learn yet. And that's why. But it is about being 100% honest with yourself. When something isn't honest, it just means that you haven't gotten to the truth yet, but you're working on it. You may want something. You may have this weird thought, and then you realize, oh, my God, that was ego. I wouldn't normally think that thought. Let me let me hold back 
on making a decision until I can work this out. Because being 100% honest with ourselves doesn't mean we're 100% right all the time. We're always digging. That's why I want to do I Dig Your Soul for the radio show. Because we're always digging for the truth. And sometimes it's hard to get to. Liam asks a question in the chat. How do we deal with an attack on our integrity for reasons that are false, a lie, a slander, rumors? That's not your problem. I know that sounds funny to say. Just continue to be yourself. If we were, if I were to chase every lie, slander, and rumor about me, I wouldn't even know where to begin. And if I focused on that every day, I would not be able to do what I'm doing or feel the good feelings that I feel because people can take that away from us for whatever reason. They may or may not have done that. We may or may not have believed it. But whatever anyone says about us does not define us because we cannot control that. So that's just your ego saying, oh, you got to go out and right that wrong. Your behavior will right the wrong over time. You just have to be patient. Paige, say things about me that I couldn't even believe they would write in public or try to insult me in a nice way or just insult me, period. But I'm just like, that. don't want to exchange energy with that. I don't want to play. And I take a deep breath and I say, hey, you know what? I know who I am and that's all that matters. I don't need to go prove to some obscure rumor. Really think about that. Because that's part of emotional integrity. The truth is, yeah, I don't like it. The truth is, it used to affect me differently. Now it doesn't. The truth is, there are certain things I want to deal with and certain things I don't. As a matter of survival, I only have so much time in a day. I am not going to obsess, operative word, obsess, over anything that I cannot control because now I'm going to go into that world of ego. You better shut them up. You better prove them wrong. Your actions will prove that wrong over time. And the only thing that will keep it alive will be you talking about it over and over and over and over and over and over. It's like an obsession. So we have to just understand that fear, doubt, worry, control in this case, and guilt are all from ego. They're all our ego trying to keep us in a perpetual state of one of its tools to get in. Fear, doubt, worry, control, and guilt. Gateways. It's like, feel one of these and I'm I'm coming in, baby. How do you know if you have emotional integrity? Ask yourself, 
Do I do what I say I'm going to do? In this case, you feel like the world is lying about you. Do I do it? Did I have any part in that? If the answer is no, instead of putting it on someone else and feeling like, well, I'm their victim now, you just say, I know in the deepest part of my heart that is not true, so I can't control what anyone says. Let me just go on. I'm fine. You believe in yourself. You accept yourself. Allowing others to define us confuses us and allows us to listen to ego yet further. We know when we're telling ourselves the truth. You guys, I love you guys. I will see you tomorrow on Dream Theme Thursday. Send in your dreams. Have a great Wednesday. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the I Dig Your Soul podcast. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.